the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Very Bold Radio and Podcast with your host, Steve Teal, bringing encouragement through God's Word and through inspiring interviews. Go to VeryBold.com for information and updates and email Steve at VeryBold.com. And now here's your host, Steve Teal. Steve Teal, Very Bold Radio and Podcast. What's the word? Today I'm not going to say excited. I'm not going to say fired up. It's got to be something else. I am full of joy because I get to talk to Abby Grimaldi, also known as my pop star daughter. I don't know. Uh, Nashville daughter sometimes because you're doing a lot of your recording in Nashville. Uh, what do I call you, Abby? What's the right thing? How are you doing today? I'm doing great, especially now that I'm seeing your face, Steve Teal. <laughs> the moneymaker. <laughs> the face literally made for radio. And then radio people came up with Zooms <laughs> and video. It's terrible. <laughs> the face no, is I'm, very bold. The face is very bold. I am overjoyed. That's it. I'm full of joy to get to talk to you, talk about your music, your inspiration to people, um, just who you are, what God is showing you, your insights, all those things. But I I do have to start with a little bit of bio of who you are for people who may not know. And I'm taking this right off of Spotify, so you know it's very official. It's not off your Wikipedia or anything, but it's really good. I like it. It, Abby Grimaldi is a Christian recording artist, songwriter, and pianist who works in Nashville, a North Dakota of, a North Dakota native with a background in classical music and worship leading. And going back to April 21, this is when you really like launched your career. This is still very fresh. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty crazy. Okay, now I'm going to say some numbers because I like numbers, and they – Impress me. You may not be as impressed because whatever, but the, you have a lot of streams on Spotify. I'm just saying. So let's just start with Home, uh, one of your songs. Well, hopefully we get to talk about it. It's on your brand new EP. It has uh, about 23,000 streams just on Spotify alone. We're not talking about all the other social media. We've got Giving It Back, mm, bouncy, fun, good stuff, 26,000 on Spotify. And we've got Faith Funk, 38,000 Spotify streams, crazy. And we've got, and all these are just so catchy, like I'm just starting to hear them in my head. Better Off, 62,000 streams. And your brand new song is just released, so I know it's just starting to climb and climb and climb. But it is Dreamer, and that is the name of the EP. Let's start with Dreamer. Let's start, You Are a Dreamer. Talk to us about this song and about the new video you've, you've done. What an introduction. <laughs> you were just going to let me go and go and then like, we're yeah. going to have like, Abby, we got 30 going. seconds left. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. So Dreamer is a song that I wrote independently last May and a popular piece of like the Christian music genre, the music scene in Nashville is that you typically are writing songs collaboratively. 
but I originally was a solo writer. Like ever since high school, I did solo writes. I do enjoy doing co-writes with friends online and in person, but this song was one that like the inspiration struck. I wrote it in probably 45 minutes to an hour. And I got to the bridge of the song and I like cried because I was like, oh my gosh, like this is the song. And for me, it's very cathartic because Dreamer, in essence, it walks through really just my story, the story of my life, being like a child performer, just with dreams and sees the colors in the sky, very imaginative, very like hopeful. There's this lyric about like, she's never had a heartbreak or a bruise, never had to wonder if the things they say are true. Mm. Like, I mean, I, I don't know. I had some hardships as a kid, but in general, I had a really charmed, safe childhood where I could be myself and I could dream and I was free. And then verse two describes a little more of me kind of coming into my own as a performer. Because by the time I was in high school, I was pretty serious about music. And this dreamer story is like kind of an innocent dreamer and then like a go-getter dreamer. Like she sees the future as the chance to live her dreams. And I was just like, I don't know. I finally wrote the song (laughs) that describes that. But the sad thing, okay. Is yeah. that dreamer has a twist to it because twist. she's seen with big dreams, but all of a sudden the big bad world comes at her in a hurry, and the innocent dreamer she used to be is no longer an innocent dreamer, and instead she becomes kind of bitter, kind of jaded, and mm. she realizes like, oh, sometimes dreams aren't realistic. Sometimes people don't believe in you. Sometimes girls can exclude you and say mean things like. Sometimes this world can be a really tough place. No one's going to hand you your dreams. Like you really have to go for it. And essentially that's what happened to me. I lived in Grand Forks, North Dakota until I was 22, had amazing opportunities to pursue art, music, everything. And then I married Rocco, my athlete husband, when I was 22, moved away and you essentially become a nobody. No one knows who you are. No one really cares that you were the pageant queen and like that everyone back home thinks you're so talented. And it's this small fish in a big pond kind of experience. It's very humbling. Mm. But but along the way, in these seven years married, through all of my rises and falls, you know, moments where maybe I'm singing at a big event and I feel awesome. And then moments where like, I feel totally invisible. Despite all of that, I realized there was an invisible thread this entire time that held on to me. And it was that I am a dreamer. And Mm. so I think I really like began to process that you know when you're in your mid late 20s you start to like kind of process your life you know that was so long ago i don't remember very well (laughs) okay well that happened to me and um a lot of hardships i think kind of pushed forward that for me of like reflecting and learning about myself and my past and things and so i realized that this dreamer within kind of felt like she was dead and kind of dying away but then it was like no that's not true Because even after the hardships, I still dream of inspiring people. I still feel so excited when I make music. Mm. Writing this song for me, it was finally like, I can say it. And I really thought I caught gold with it because it was like, you know, I can't be the only person that feels this way. And maybe it can serve to remind people that like no one can take away that dreamer within. And it's beautiful that you're a dreamer and you should never let that go. Man, that is really good. And I do feel like, I mean, I'm a dreamer. I know there's other people that are dreamers and we can't really help it, but um, whatever people that there's always people that want to defeat or, you know, want to put you down or whatever. 
Um, how did you talk to me about the process of realizing that, you know, that invisible thread is I'm just, I'm a dreamer. I'm going to dream. And how do you like push out criticism or exclusion or just other people that aren't going for their dreams? So when they're not going for dreams, it's easy to beat somebody else down. That is. Sure. Yeah. So through the age of 22, I had very obvious dreams, like compete in this pageant, perform in this group sing for this worship service. And it was like, I had these benchmarks of dreams that I could check off and I achieved them. And it gave me this sense of confidence, identity, purpose, made me feel good about myself. Yeah. And it was like, I had such a constant stream of it that frankly, even if like I had someone that was jealous or mean or I don't know, I mean, I, you know, that like, it didn't really matter because I just constantly had this fulfilling stream of dreams. Yeah. But when I got married and I moved away, I no longer had groups I was performing with. I didn't have a church I was singing at. I didn't have events that I was regularly performing at. And so I didn't have a constant stream of like that rush where you get off stage and it's like, that's what I was made to do. Or, yeah, you know, like I did a good job today. Or even just having people tell you like, wow, you're really talented. And it's like, thank you. Right. And so it was almost like this detox and it really made mm. me take a step back and realize like, wow, as pure as my dreams are in some ways, there can definitely be a sense of idolatry in that. Wow. And we, we can idolize these things and it doesn't necessarily have to be as a performer. We all have idols in different areas. I think dreams can be a common one for people though, like career aspirations, athletic goals, whatever it might be. And it's like, I think God allowed me to have those opportunities stripped away so that I could really realize like, what are my dreams really about? And what do I really dream of? And what I realized with some maturity, and I think with the guidance of the Lord and with the Holy spirit within me, yeah. kind of teaching me the right things, you know, cause the world wants to teach us so many different things sure. down wayward paths, but looking in scripture and knowing Christ, that's when you know the truth. And so I came to this realization that I was like, okay, my dreams, like, what do I dream of? I dream of knowing Christ, which I get to live that every day. I get to dream of making him known to other people. And I get to aspire to be an effective image bearer of him. And then specifically talking about my music dreams, it hit me like I'm practicing every day for hours at a time. Like when we both lived in Texas, I was living in an apartment. I didn't really have anywhere that I was performing, but I was singing two, three hours a day. I was writing two, three hours a day. I was yeah. really putting in my hours. And I realized it was like, you know, I don't know if that's normal, but I just really love it. And I know that I do because even after years of not really having a lot of opportunities, this is what I'm choosing to put my time and energy towards. Yeah. My dreams have been like gravity for me. Like the way that I love music, it's like I've moved 25 times with my husband for his career. I lived in hotels for stints and wait, I, how many, how many times? 25 probably you, might be more now, but. Oh my gosh. I thought that was, you might be using no. hyperbole. No, no, it's like literally 25. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. Go, go on. Dream. What'd you say about gravity and dreams that I like that? I just, yeah, I feel like my dreams have been like a force of gravity. Like it's these giftings that God has given me. And it's like such a natural inclination of my heart to want to create, to want to inspire, to want to share. I'm like the queen of show and tell. Like my sister will FaceTime me and I'll be like, check out this new song or like, 
showing my niece like, hey, you want to see auntie's dress that looks like a princess dress? Like, I just love to share with people. Maybe it's a teaching type spirit. But I realized that like my dreams, in order to really have fulfilling dreams, I can't control how many spins I have on Spotify. I can't control how many eyeballs are watching me performing at these places. But the dream itself is like, it's what we love and it's what we do. And I'm sure you can identify with that in the various ministries that you do. It's a gravity that pulls on you. It's what you do and it's what you love. And as a result, God uses it how he chooses. Yeah, that is that is good. Oh my gosh, I love it. All right, so uh, somebody that's listening today and they feel like they're a dreamer and they want to aspire, but they're made a little bit different than you. And so it's maybe they don't have that same sort of drive. Like you are a dreamer, but I know you well enough to know that you're also an achiever. And so when you're kind of made that way to achieve, you really can't help in a way. I mean, you have to persevere, but you just can't help but sort of keep going and achieving and going and going. Um, Mm -hmm. So what would you say to somebody that maybe is a dreamer, but they're not quite that sort of like drive, like, you know, I don't know. Do you have anything to say to them today? Yeah, um, I think because I was in classical instrument lessons as a child and my parents had me practice every day. It was instilled in me almost against my will that if you practice every day, you're doing what you're supposed to. Yeah. Um, But at the same time, it yielded really good results. And so I think it became like this intrinsic reward system of because I didn't really like practicing piano when I was a kid. Yeah. It wasn't like I was trying to impress my parents or anything. I just did it because they made me. But it came to a point where I got really, really proficient. And then it was like, oh, music is like play, like it's fun. And so it became a reward. So one thing I would say is that I guess if you are someone out there, and you're wanting to become excellent at something because it's something you're dreaming about, I would encourage you to take small steps, figure out what it might be to consistent, consistently better yourself in that area. At the same time, though, I think it is understandable that maybe you have a dream, but it's more of a hobby than a profession. Oh. And I think that there's nothing wrong with that. There, I mean, we all are so different and right. we all are wired for different things. I think sometimes like the word calling can get confusing for people also. Mm. Like I would like to think that being a musician is a calling of mine, but it's not my only calling and it's not the primary calling, which is to know Christ and serve him. So I guess I would just encourage anyone out there. I think we're all dreamers in our own ways. We all have desires of our hearts, right? Like if you have a heart emotionally, you, you have dreams, you are a dreamer. Right. True. You don't need to compare your dreams to others. Our dreams aren't more important than other people's. And then I guess it's just kind of questioning, you know, how much work do you want to put in depending on what your dream is? Just, I don't know. I think it's it's unique. That's good. That's good. All right. What, um, What would you say to somebody who, like, on the outside looks at your life and says, oh, this guy, uh, this girl's married to this sports, professional sports uh, hockey player, athlete, and all this, and they just have everything's just made in the shade. Um, I mean, what do you say? How do you respond to that? I know that's not true. I mean, I know challenges and everything. What What could you say to somebody who just thinks, oh, yeah, well, easy for her to say. She gets to work on music yeah. six hours a day. Easy for her to say. She's got it made. What would you say? Yeah, um, I think it's important that we all acknowledge the blessings that we have. 
um, without comparing. And I, I am yeah. so blessed that I was able to find my husband at the age of 18 and just like build a life together. Um, but at the same time, I think I've been working on finding peace in this because sometimes I actually have had people say things that are hurtful or like, let's say we're going through a really big hardship and you know, some of the hardships that sure. we've had with my husband's career. And it's, it's a lot of dismissive things have been said okay. and it's kind of, it's kind of just coming to this point of realizing like they, they don't know what I've gone through and it's not my job to like tell them that. And it's also not their job to show me sympathy. Like, I guess I would hope that if we're a body of believers, that we would be Christ-like towards each other. Um, I often describe empathy as caring with imagination. And I like, like that. I like yeah, that. Like having, having love for other people and just using imagination. Like maybe it's my perspective in the sports world and understanding how sometimes we're perceived versus what the reality of our life can look like and how a lot of us actually envy normal people's lifestyles. I was just talking, I was just talking about this with a soccer wife and how she dreams of having a community of mm. friends. She went to her friend's little daughter's birthday party and she looked around and was like, wow, like my friend has a life. Wow. It's very profound. And Rocco and I completely agree that we we love the big things we've gotten to do. Like watching my husband play at world championships in Finland this year was incredible, a really high moment. And we have like a lot of lows too, but like it is, it is just such a unique lifestyle. There's different sacrifices you probably wouldn't expect. Um, But I guess I would say it's okay if you don't understand or if you naturally feel like, Oh, I don't want to listen to her. That's okay. That's your choice. (laughs) Um, Like you can't, I don't know. Not everyone's going to understand you. We're all made so differently. Right. And, um, I guess I've just learned, though, like in my experiences, I never assume anything about anyone now. Wow. Because I just know better. Like, you would just be surprised. Like, you'll you'll meet your hero or something. Like, I've had the chance to meet some of my heroes. And, like, they feel like a has-been or something. Or you're like, what? What do you mean? Right. Like, right. People are surprising and the feeling of living in a fallen world is really challenging for all of us. Yeah. And that's a humbling thing. Like whether you're recognized as a celebrity or whether you're kind of a quiet person that no one knows about, like we all soldier on together. And I guess I would hope that as Christians, we soldier on together in a way that's really like healthy and supportive. Right. Man, that's good. All right. Um, You've gained a lot of insights and you've been sharing some of those insights uh, with us all already. Are there any other just in the last year or two, just insights that and wisdom um, for dealing with unpredictable times or uncertain times that you have to share? Yeah. um, So when COVID hit, I realized that I am different than the average person because of my experiences, because the way that I felt like I handled COVID was different than a lot of other people. And it was, I noticed in particular people that were really used to having a schedule and having control really struggled. And I had already kind of died to myself in that area a couple of years prior. Yeah. And it was really, it was kind of encouraging, honestly, because it was like, wow, like definitely been refined. I've definitely had hardships. It comes with blood, sweat and tears. And you're like, wow, I'm a terrible person. Like going through these hard times, they're bringing up my sin. God's refining me. But then you have moments like that where you're like, wow, I have grown. Um, But I guess I would simply say 
I think something really interesting and often overlooked about being a Christian is the concept of dying to yourself. Oof. And it's not desirable to say out loud. And I understand. Right. That. Like when I was 15, I really, really devoted my life to Christ. I worked at a Bible camp, was reading my Bible a lot, really good Christian influences around me. And I remember praying this scary prayer, but really knowing in my heart that it was the true prayer that I should yeah. be praying. And it was asking God to do what he wanted with my life, mm. which is technically what like salvation is, is asking Jesus to like forgive you of your sins, repent, choosing to repent from them as best you can. And then like asking God to be the Lord of your life. Like, right. That's ultimately what being a Christian is. And if you look at the disciples and their paths, they turned away their businesses, they turned away their old lives and they followed him. So I guess I would say to people, that are challenged with this concept of like having unpredictable, uncontrollable things in their lives. Um, I guess I could insensitively say we have to get over ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, so, that's caring with imagination. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, but in, in a blunt way, I think that's kind of what it is. Okay. Like if we're going to live for Christ. Um, a simple example is that I sacrifice a lot to be with my husband wherever he's living, like he got traded at the end of this past season. And so I lived in a hotel with him right? Part for like a month before that. And it was like, Oh, we need to be together. So I'm going to have to die to myself and spend this time with him in this hotel where I really have nothing to do. Yeah. And really nowhere to go. But I will say sometimes embracing that lifestyle, it yeah. more fruit than you would think. And from mm-hmm. the outside, it may appear like, Oh, Abby's given up a lot to be, with her husband and she graduated college and she's never had a job in that field. She's totally missed out on these things. And she's like, you know, her friends all live super far away. She's missed out. But at the same time, you know what I haven't missed out on? Tell me. I haven't haven't missed out on being grown and stretched by God every single day. I haven't missed out on the blessing of sacrificing my wants and needs for those of others and yeah. receiving the blessing that comes with that, like serving my husband, being there for him, being a rock star in that role, trying to be a rock star in that role. Like, I want to be a rock star, right? I want to be a music rock star. But like, I want to be a rock star wife, too. Mm. And having this stripped away life where I've had less and kind of like you said, people struggle with lack of control, having to do that, it's totally changed my perspective. And now my expectation is like, maybe God could use me to be what my mom needs today and be what my sister mm. needs today. And it's like when you have these blank spaces in your life, God has room to use you in really profound ways that other people might think are small, but they're actually not. Right. That's good, Abby Grimaldi. <laughs> that is good. Or Abigail Matson, as we see on the screen. <laughs> All right, let me ask you a few other things. Going back to you talking about that was that was so good. That was really good. Um, going back to when you talked about certain times when you may feel invisible or have felt invisible, what were the things that kind of helped you? Because I'm sure somebody is watching and feels unseen for whatever reason. Maybe they are in a season where it's more serving and giving and not feeling like, Hey, I'm, I'm moving forward with the dreams that God has put on my heart. It's a different kind of season. Um, what would you, how would you encourage them? How did you make it through those kind of invisible times? Yeah. Um, I mean, I made it through those times with tears Mm. and calls to my mom and like 
I can look here all shiny and profound and, and say things, but really, I mean, most lessons that I've learned have come from this total blender of like a year or two of processing things and just trying to make sense of them and then give it a little bit of time and an openness to what God might be teaching me. And maybe later on, I'll see it clearly. Yeah. I just think um, if you are in a season right now where you're feeling invisible and you're feeling unseen, I would like you to take comfort in the biblical fact that you are never unseen by God. Mm. Like, I know that that feels like a consolation prize to the ear sometimes. Like, that's not what you want to hear. But it's just, it's true. And the other thing, you know how you kind of mentioned earlier, maybe other people misunderstand what my life looks like. Sure. Um, I had this, like, I don't know. Like, the Bible says these things, right? And you kind of forget them and you re- re-realize them. So I had this yeah. realization recently. It was like, you know, God didn't just create me. He doesn't just hear all my prayers. He actually knows like every crevice of my entire life. And he knows everything that any person has ever said to me, every dream I've ever had. Yeah. So, like, whenever you feel unseen, you are very seen and you are very known. Like it's, it's just really comforting. And then I like to think, looking back now retrospectively, I like to think of like who you could become because of that hidden time. And then like, let's say that you do get to put out music or be a successful athlete or whatever it is after, like you still want those things probably, but the way that you want them is much more grounded. And there's like, there's more of like a reverence for these things. And it's, I don't know. I just think like being a Christian in America, we are so privileged with freedom to be Christians and freedom to have food and water and and all this awesome stuff that we take for granted. And it's like, we get caught up in our dreams because we don't have to worry about where our next meal is going to come from. Mm, And I've always been convicted by things like that when I am feeling unseen, because it's almost like, who am I to be upset with God that I'm not getting attention or success or something when instead he's like, Abby, like I'm literally the God of the universe. I'm with you every second of the day. Mm. I've provided forgiveness of your sins and hope everlasting. And so I guess the final thing I'll say is that if you're in a season of hardship, wandering, whatever, um, take joy in your salvation today. Mm. Take joy in knowing Christ because most of the people that are more successful than you are more seen than you or whatever, they probably don't have a relationship with Christ. Mm. And if they don't like, it doesn't even compare to what you have. Like we have this treasure in Christ. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. You're going to have to go back and listen to this interview. You're really <laughs> going to like it. <laughs> really? You have said so many good things. All right. Just to wrap up in the next few minutes, let's just talk a little bit more about your EP. Even your, you had like a kind of uh flash mob, uh, uh, party release party. I don't know how yeah. this happened. I, one day I'm, talking to Rocco I'm like wait Abby has an EP coming out I was like how did I miss that he's like she just she just did it but tell us about the release party did you get to get surrounded by some of your community and some of your friends I don't know what that looked like yeah so I'm not really a planner I'm the baby of the family I like being told (laughs) what to do so literally just like Friday was when the EP came out and I just texted some friends in town like five of them were able to come so we did that on Saturday night. I was like, hey, cool. it's free tomorrow night. <laughs> like, cool. 
But the thing is, is like, I feel like you tend to downplay your achievements when they're yours. True. And I'm such an encourager. Like whenever someone else does something, I'm like, yes, amazing. I I'm see you. you. Yeah. But when it's me, it's like, oh, you know, it's just like the same five songs that I put out. But then like, I don't know, my heart told me differently. And instead of feeling like it was small, it really was like, you know, this is like the culmination of three years of work. Each of these songs is something that you put like eight months of your life into or more. Yeah. And it was just like, I don't know. I wanted to take the chance to celebrate it because as an artist, you're always looking at the next thing. But sometimes it's like, I don't know, give yourself yeah. back. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad. And um, I love all these songs, Abby. So I, I kind of hate to steer ahead and ask like, all right, you mentioned what's, what's next. Uh, well, before I ask that, just, just tell us a little bit about the process of, you know, here are five great songs. Um, how many songs do you start to write and like put on the shelf because, uh, it's just not quite right, or it's not quite what you're hoping for. Um, or does every song you write come out or how's that work? Yeah. Um, okay. So I feel like the higher caliber artist you are typically the larger pool of songs that you choose from because okay. you do like writing camps and stuff. Like okay. ideally, ideally I would love to put out one song for every 20 that I write and be really competitive with it. But admittedly, I think it's probably like one in 10 that I put out maybe, but I'm kind of like, I don't know, because I write alone for a lot of these songs, like the topic of dreamer, I didn't yeah. have a title or anything, but I feel like I mold over the concept of it for like years before I finally wrote the song. And then I probably wrote actually the chord progression of that song. I have written four different songs over a similar chord progression. Okay. And I really wanted one of them to stick, but they kept not sticking. Like they were like decent, but it wasn't the song. And then this song, it kind of felt like it wrote itself because it was familiar in the way that I'd already kind of written things that were similar. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, every song is unique though. Um, like giving it back. I wrote with my producer over FaceTime during COVID faith funk. I wrote before I even met him. That was totally solo home. I wrote similarly, like it was solo better off. I wrote with a guy from Sweden that lives here. That's with one of the major publishing companies. Like they're all, yeah, they're all different. I don't have a lot on deck right now, okay. but I feel like I've learned a lot of profound lessons and I would like to like put the pen to paper. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. You, need to, <laughs> you need to go back and listen to yourself on this interview. There were lots of little gems and jewels that you were dropping, dropping about. And you know that I do love uh, the way that you speak and the way you, you use language and what a beautiful gift to be able to give that to lyrics and music as well. Um, all right. Is there anything else that you just have on your heart that you want to talk about the EP or dreamer or anything I might've missed? Um, okay. So I want to say a fun fact about dreamer, the song we just released. Yeah. Fun fact. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I love fun facts. So the music <laughs> video for it is, um, the, so I actually had this song finished recording like last November maybe. Yeah. And I was sitting on it for a really long time because I really had my heart set on doing this like dream music video for it. And ideally it would have been a large scale production with like young Abby, teenage Abby, and it would have had like a whole movie thing. Yeah. But um, the dream that I decided on that was like, okay, this can be the new dream. Yeah. Was I really wanted to record a performance style video for dreamer in my hometown. And right after I graduated, my high school 
completed construction on this incredible theater. Sadly, yeah. not get to use it. They were supposed to kind of finish it earlier. <sighs> Boo. But yeah, but it's still like attached to my high school. It still feels like my school. And so we performed it at like this grand piano center stage. I was wearing pink. And even that came together pretty last minute because I had to get clearance from the facility. Wow. And I had to get like, the stage usually has a bunch of set pieces on it, depending on what productions they have coming up. Yeah. So I literally heard back from them with maybe five days notice. Like, okay, this Thursday is probably the only feasible day that you could do. Can you make it work? I was like, yes. So then wow. I booked my flight. I got stranded in Dallas overnight. Made it the next day. I had like five hours that night to practice or something, just like running everything, trying to steam my clothes. And yeah. then the next day we shot for like five hours and wow. we pulled it off. It was great. But <laughs> yeah, I just feel like I had to put a video with a song because it just didn't feel like I was doing this sentimental song justice without yeah. doing some sort of homage to my hometown of Grand Forks, which is really the community that raised me. Like I was a dancer there. I was in so many music things, acting things. And I just, that's where the dreamer was born. So that's where the dreamer video needed to happen. I love it. And you talk about, you just talked about, here was the big dream. You could envision like little Abby and, you know, child Abby and, and whatever. How do you, as a dreamer, how do you pivot when your vision may be always kind of bigger, but you have to pivot that dream. What does that look like? That's true. It is always going to be bigger. It's always. <laughs> um, you just, I don't know, the more, the more that you engage with the entertainment community, the more experience you have with producing your music and working with professionals, the more you start to maybe have accurate visions of what it's going to look like. Okay. Um, I'm very hands-on though. I would ideally like to be a producer someday. And yeah. I just started the process of getting gear to kind of verse myself in that tech world. Yeah. For now, I just, I don't know. I send a lot of voice memos to my producer. Like, this is the exact baseline I want. And this is like, yeah, <laughs> like that. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, creating anything is a thrill and putting it out is a very personal and exciting process. And so like, I guess it's this combination of like, things can always be better. Like you can always cut a better vocal, you can yeah. always bigger or whatever. But at the same time, like, isn't it worth celebrating what you have now? Yeah. Like, aren't you grateful for the professionals that helped you create that? Yeah. And gave their best to the table at the time. And I gave my best to the table at the time. And it's good. Yeah. So, okay. I've had like eight last questions, but this really could be the last <laughs> question. So, when ultimately you put Dreamer out or that song that you poured your heart and soul, and and you know especially in this day social media internet all that i mean somebody no matter who you are no matter how big a star you are somebody's going to hate it or somebody's just going to be rude just because that's what they are how do you when you're about to release it and it's like kind of putting your baby out there how do you prepare yourself just knowing that okay a bunch of people are going to hate me or hate this or whatever how do you prepare (laughs) yeah I think when you, when you start to acquire a professional mindset, like you've probably acquired a professional mindset about the things that you put out as a podcast, you just, you start to develop a realistic expectation and you, you realize like, okay, who am I? What about me is unique. Yeah. And I think if you're being an artist, you're being original and you're putting out things that are unique. So it's not going to be for everyone. Yeah. Like someone's going to roll their eye at dreamer and think it's cheesy for sure. Okay. But a lot of people aren't. 
And last yeah. summer when I debuted it at this big festival I was playing at, this 10-year-old girl was so excited to come up to me. And it was like she finally saw someone that got her. And she was like, I'm a dreamer. I have so many dreams. And she started telling me about them. And that's how I felt as a kid from North Dakota. Like there were a lot of traditional dreams that people had. And I had all these unconventional dreams. And it, neither, neither of the dreams were more important than the other. But I just like sometimes I felt like such an oddball. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe putting out a song like that, it's going to give people permission to just, I don't know, be who you are. Have your dreams. <laughs> Yeah, that is awesome. Okay, truly last question. I mean, if you got to sit down with that 10-year-old or if you got to sit down with the 10-year-old version of yourself, like what would you tell yourself having been through a lot now? Like how would you warn them or how would you encourage yourself? What would you do if you could time travel and talk to yourself? Um, I would almost wish that I could take a, ten- a piece of my 10-year-old self with me. Mm. I love my 10 year old self. My 10 year old self had glasses and she didn't care about being cool or being pretty. And she just wanted to be smart. And she wanted to be the best piano player in class. And when it came time for the school talent show, she was going to bring her best to the table (laughs) and like compose alternate endings for her little piano piece. And she was going to have the whole school clapping along and all the cool kids weren't playing piano, but she felt cool. And she just liked who she was. And so I guess I would say, like, I don't know. I don't think 10-year-old me would want to know all the different things that I would have to go through. Right. Especially as an athlete. So I don't think she would want to know. Yeah. Um, I think she would be surprised. Like, I was always, I always felt a nearness to God. When I was 15, that's when my Christianity was really catapulted into something life-changing. Um. I don't know. I guess I remember as a kid, they'd have different musicians come to town and play at our church. Yeah. And I always kind of like, I didn't sing back then, but I had an eye on them. And my mom was kind of always like, that's what Abby's going to do. Like something uh-huh. on the stage. My, they just always thought that I was going to be the one on stage doing that kind of thing. Yeah. And, and I don't know. I mean, we all go different directions, but I kind of did go exactly the direction that we probably thought that I would have gone. Right. That's amazing. Okay. I really don't want to ask one last question, but anything about your dream coming true of singing at that festival? I mean, that was a, that was a big dream. That was a dream for you and it came true. Yeah. It was actually a fear too. Okay. Um, So it was my very first center stage show where we used tracks. I had a live drummer. I played keys for a couple songs. I had like the in-ear monitors and it was a very legitimate show. Typically shows I've played are like at a keyboard at writer's rounds in Nashville or North Dakota. And I was going to be dancing center stage, holding the mic, like really doing the pop type thing. And I've been on stage for years. Like I was top five at state pageants and just loved being on stage. But something about this for me, it was like, it's been a while. I don't know if I can still do this. Yeah. Feel like I'm I'm proud of my songs. I'm comfortable with who I am, but like you're just so seen up there. Right. I, I knew it was gonna be sink or swim. And I wanted to be successful. Like I know this is what I want to do. So I felt nervous because like sometimes when you're nervous, you're just excited. Yeah. But at the same time, it was like, let's see what happens. Anyway, the set goes fantastic. My dad's recording the whole thing. My mom and Rocco are like crying <laughs> behind their sunglasses. And I can't really hear myself very well through the in-ears, but people are responding great. I think it's going well. And then I get off stage and I see the look in Rocco's eyes and he's got just this tear 
and we hug. And I just like, it was everything I could have ever dreamt of. And that's when it hit me. Like I could do this the rest of my life. It went great. Yeah. And it was like, it was like the best day of my life. It was awesome. Wow. Wow. I'm glad I asked that (laughs) that 12th last question. (laughs) I love love all these last questions. (laughs) All right. Well, anything else on your heart to share? This has been great. And I really appreciate catching up. I'm very excited. Um, I, I love all your songs. So I know you don't have any like necessarily just coming up to the surface next, but I just really enjoy them all. And uh, Dreamer, yeah, Dreamer really gets me too. I mean, um, and I just love your vocals. They're just so cool. I don't know how you do it, but they're really cool. Um, so any, anything else on your heart before we close up for real? For real this time? I'm not yeah. even. Um, even though I've had hardships, God has been able to turn them into really beautiful songs and a really beautiful soul before you that is still sinful, but is really like, refined and redeemed and I guess I just want to inspire you guys that today I stand here and I talk to you as someone that is a example of the work that Christ can do in someone and I'm a work in progress but he has done so much in me and I've come so far not even just in like commercial success but just in who I am as a person yeah I just I want you guys all to know out there that no matter what you have in your life hardships that hit you you can, you can survive these things. Like if God still has you living, the sun comes out every single day, you can keep going and God redeems these things. He can't always bring things back, but he can, he can redeem so many things, do so many works within you. And I just encourage you guys to take great hope in that today, because we are so blessed to have these relationships in our lives and have whatever opportunities we have. And just, just don't be afraid to dig in. Whatever it is that God's given you, one talent, five talents, 10 talents, that parable, like, yeah, just go for it. Just enjoy what you have. Take in your community, help your family, be a great husband, be a great wife. I don't know. Just be grateful and try and be focused on Christ. That is good. That is good. Go back and listen to this interview, Abby. This is good. good. (laughs) Probably need it. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Sometimes that's how it is. Like you're helping somebody else, but those words all come back. A lot of of insights and uh, just a lot of truths for people and encouragement for me and for other people. So I just want to thank you for your time. And we celebrate what you're doing and are excited. even though it's a lot of hard work, it's also part of your gifting and whether you call it a calling or not, you know, it's a part of who you are. So thanks for dreaming. Thanks for keep dreaming. Thanks for encouraging us to dream as well. So thank you, Abby. Thanks, Steve Teal. <laughs> Me and Rocco love you and your whole family so much. <laughs> we love you guys so much. Uh, all right. I'm going to sign off the way we sign off every time. And it's very fitting what Abby has been talking about because the Apostle Paul was considering God's goodness and how he can redeem things and how he brings glory about even in very hard times and the apostle paul would be writing about yeah i was beaten this time i was left for dead that time i was in, i've been in prison i've been through this i've been through that but ultimately he still is celebrating that god is redeeming everything and using even the hardest times so he talked about it this way he says it a lot better than me in the uh Second Corinthians 3.12, the Apostle Paul put it this way. He said, therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. 
Very Bold Radio and Podcast with your host, Steve Teal, bringing encouragement through God's Word and through inspiring interviews. Go to VeryBold.com for information and updates and email Steve at VeryBold.com. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.